Okay, my lovely loyal listeners, welcome back to Like Riding a Bike. That's riding with a W. Um, if you've listened to one episode already and heard me yapping for half an hour and then decided to come back, I really appreciate you. And if you're new, you've picked a great episode to start on. Um, I'm here today with Sophie Klar, who is a wonderful poet um, and was actually a former teacher of mine. And she is the author of three books of poetry, Two Open Doors in a Field, Meet Me Here at Dawn, and very recently, There is Only One Ghost in the World. So if you want to say hey. Hey. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with me today. I appreciate it so much. I really do. Oh, it's my it's my pleasure. Anytime I can babble about poetry. It's fun, isn't it? It really is. So I guess before I dive too far into craft, how have you been? Like, what have you been up to? Mm, good question. I, um, well, I moved to Los Angeles in July, so I'm just sort of still getting my bearings here in some ways. And I was just sitting outside on my little stoop um, working on poems, actually. <laughs> That's the life. Yeah, we've been talking a little bit in my class about like moving to to big cities as like poetic hubs. So are you are you getting plugged into like the poetic community of LA or is it are you still getting your bearings? What's what's the deal? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I am I am far away from a poetic community here. I know it's here. Um we've got some fantastic bookstores here, but I'm like a little hermit so um i'm sure there's amazing poetry community out there but i'm just like wandering the streets of hollywood hiking <laughs> seeing old friends no maybe i should get involved maybe this is a sign from the universe no that kind of sounds magical like why get involved when you're living your best life already um i'm here for that and you've been busy you've been writing so um I wanted to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. there's only one ghost in the world because I've we've been thinking a lot about like poetic processes and thinking about like a solo endeavor versus a joint effort because you you co-wrote this book. So I was just wondering if you could walk me through like your normal process on if you were writing a book alone versus what this looked like. I'm very interested in that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, my first my first book, Meet Me Here at Dawn, was my thesis in graduate school. So that was more of like a march towards a certain number of pages and, um, you know, had taken me basically, there were poems that I'd been writing for a couple years, basically all of graduate school, so three years. Um, and the book of poems that I had come out in this last March to open doors in a field, I would say also kind of took me about three years, mostly because those, the book is primarily composed of sonnets, which just take me a long time, mostly take me a, a long time to, to revise and think about. And I don't really put like, pressure on myself about writing I don't find that to be useful so <laughs> they, so revisions happen when they happen and 
uh, you know, sometimes it takes a long time to revise a sonnet because of just the mechanics of it, mm. but also sometimes not at all. So, but this most recent book that I wrote with Corey Zeller happened really fast. We wrote it in eight months and then like a couple months later it was accepted it won a prize <laughs> that's incredible eight months is is so fast that's outstanding it was really fast um it was in the height of the pandemic and i was sheltering in place alone so i had mm. all sorts of time not only did i have all sorts of time but because we we wrote it together in a single google document and um he would just text me and say like, I wrote a little bit in the document and then I would go back and see what he'd written and weave in my own thoughts. So it was essentially like always having a writing prompt mm. in the air. And so that was a big, I mean, the book is about 120 pages in its final printing, but it was 300 pages. Oh my God. And it's a single Google doc. <laughs> it's a single Google doc that's that's maybe insane activity but i'm so glad it worked out uh, and what a productive way to spend isolation too though i'm thinking about like what i was up to like staring at walls and stuff like if you're if you're gonna be in a in a fugue state putting it towards something super productive is cool yeah i, I mean it was also um it was also great because writing with another person i have Writing with another person, basically, depending on how you write, you you have insurance that when I write a poem and it says at the top of the you know page, Sophie Klar, everybody knows I wrote it. But when I'm writing with another person, no reader can really point to like this narrative or that word, that image and say, oh, that happened to Sophie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a bit like when you're writing with somebody else, it's sort of like um, simultaneous free fall mm -hmm. and you both have a net for each other. So it's easier to, I think it's actually easier to write quickly and then to cut um, viciously. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's beautiful. Your simultaneous free fall line. I like that a lot. And um, And do you feel like, and you're saying that there's not like a distinct your voice, his voice. Um, so is there kind of like a collective voice that was created, like like a third persona almost? Or is it something different? How would you describe that? Yeah, I I think, you know, this story ended up being a lot about family. So because we don't write in a vacuum, there are quote unquote, real, there are real family stories of mine, of his. Um, but then there's also mothers in the book that don't exist, cousins that don't exist. And two, because of, you know, maybe I would have started out uh, a line or two with a real experience. And because it's collaborative, then how that image ends or how that little narrative ends is totally not true. So mm. That's been a great comfort to my family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, something Alan Gerganis said um, two years ago about um, the most dangerous thing we can do is write the truth about real people or something. Um, that stuck with me. And that's like, so you get to 
sort of hide almost um hide yeah. isn't the right word it's altogether too negative but um but that's really interesting yeah like it's also i mean the the book is also it was published by a fiction collective too which only publishes fiction so it's fiction it's a it's a, it's a book technically of, yeah i mean you know genre is sort of like bullshit uh-oh maybe you can edit that word out but it, it is um you know genre in 2023 is sort of baloney um mm. you know i talk i'm about to i love teaching prose poetry and i'm about to teach another class on prose poetry but like poetry and prose aren't antonyms it's prose and verse so Corey had submitted it to this fiction press said this is fiction the press said it's fiction we love it (laughs) you can't who's gonna tell him it's not yeah exactly not me that's funny (laughs) and and the and i was gonna talk to you too i was glad you brought up sonnets um because first of all, this this new book is very prosy. Um, it is different, and and I know you you thrive a lot under form or under like variations on form. So um, I was wondering what that shift was like for you. If that was a big adjustment, or um, if it was an exciting exciting new undertaking. Yeah, I've I've actually been writing a lot of I've been writing a lot of prose recently. I think, like, in some ways. I OD'd a little bit on on sonnet writing. When I go for verse now, I tend to write, I do tend to write sonnets. But when I sit down, I'm not writing so much in verse. Um, I'm teaching mm-hmm. an online class right now about form called Shapeshifters. And it's been amazing to go through really steadily each week um, and have two hours to talk about just Sestina's and then see the Sestina's my students are writing and go going oh gosh maybe I should maybe I should try to do that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's um I think that letting go of the line break has been very relaxing for me and I'm finding Mm. new possibilities in in tone I think in tonally my verse tends to be fairly serious and straightforward in some ways and with prose there's a different opening of of tonalities to sort of i'm finding i have not that i want to be be cynical but some pieces of the prose that i'm writing is more cynical or more jokey um a little more tricky or shifty than i think my my sonnets my verse tends to be so that's interesting. That's fun. Yeah, well, and and form and line breaks of any kind even being like sort of a crutch subconsciously, like like we can use those to maybe <laughs> avoid a- the emotion a little bit. <laughs> so um so that's cool that when you remove it, it like opens up alleyways to something new. That's cool. Um I was also reading something you said about um the book being queer almost and then you were talking about how um, genres in 2023 aren't really meaning the same things that they once were. So that to me is like gender kind of. Um, 
So how can how can a poem or how can a book of poems be queer? Is it just in resisting genre or? You know, it feels like a complicated question. Um, like as somebody who's really struggled a lot with my own, um, not gender identity, but sexuality, um, feeling very like judged or in or invisible or um yeah just the the whole sort of a uh, whole like cornucopia of hang-ups <laughs> around mm. around my own queerness um i think weirdly and very sadly the queer community can be really mean to one another where if you are not writing poems if you are a queer person you're not necessarily writing poems that are called this is my queer poem <laughs> there can be kind of there can be or you're not writing about queer subjects or whatever um and putting that in big in big quotes queer subjects then you can be told i was told at some point by a queer author that my work wasn't queer enough which was so damaging mm. and i was like uh how 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 is it how is it not because i'm you know I wrote a sonnet about birds <laughs> that wasn't called my queer bird poem. Like if you're queer and you're writing a, a poem, the poem is related to your uh, identity, whether it's, whether it says so or not projects so or not. Um, I don't know. It's a complicated, it feels very complicated, but for this book for there's only one ghost in the world, um, it feels queer because there's no sharp boundaries on the gender of any voice, um, on the sexuality of any voice. Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, sexualities appear to be straight or appear to be queer or appear the, and from one page to another. So this there's a huge inclusiveness in the book uh, that I think really because of that inclusivity, it has uh, sort of vibrates with queerness, I would say. That's beautiful. And and seeing queerness become, not become, but be used negatively, like um, to remove queer people from a space is sad. Like your poem isn't queer enough, so we're excluding you. That's like, that's like the opposite of what it should be about. So, um, yeah. yeah. Mm. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, I, I love this. Um, Carl Phillips has a really great article um, called The Politics of Mere Being, where um, he's had people sort of approach him in the same in the same way of like, oh, like, is the is the white dog in your poem? I'm going to sort of paraphrase it poorly, but people, you know, asking, reading race or gender or sexuality into into his work or saying like why aren't your poems more black or there's there's always going to be somebody who thinks that you're not doing enough uh which is very which is, which is hard but if you feel like you're doing doing enough if you feel like that you're articulating the truth that you want to articulate that feels comfortable or safe or real for you to articulate, then fuck everybody else. 
<laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Well, people telling you what your poems should be about or that they're not blank enough is, I mean, you're not the poet. It's not, it's not your business at the end of the day. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, I've, I've had to be like, you know, it's what anybody else thinks of me is not my business. I'm going to do my work and I'm going to articulate what feels, uh, has energy behind it. And if it's a poem about my sexuality, so be it. If it's a poem about a, you know, an inchworm, so be it. <laughs> so you're writing, you're writing for you and not for anyone else. And if people get something out of it, then good on them. But that's that's the vibe I'm getting. I mean, I think that there's sort of, I guess in some ways. I try to get out of the way for what is there. Like when a poem is, is quote unquote successful, it's because I've gotten out of the way for something. I've articulated something larger, but not because I'm so great and wonderful, just because I've been like a good vessel for that thing, whatever it is. And that's sort of what I, that's like what I, aspire to and part of why I don't force myself to like sit down and write every day and if I don't do that I'm not a writer like I I don't feel that my I actually don't feel like my identity is tied up with being um with with being a poet it's something like I I happen to do because I'm doomed <laughs> to do it <laughs> doomed is a good word um for the poetic destiny so yeah. so then like i'm in college right now studying poetry so i very much am in a in a product product oriented environment um and it's a joy it's like it's great that i get to study this however it's like how is that true to poetry that i'm like trying to sit down every day and like reach this product and stuff and like how freeing is it to, to get out of the like academia space i mean I, some of the most talented writers uh i mean writers and artists in general who i know did not go to school um you know like even one of them i'm thinking of dropped out of high school um another finished high school but never went to college and there's something amazing about taking time to learn what you want to learn, to figure out without somebody telling you, your assignment is X, Y, Z. Uh, I think part of school, I mean, part of college, part of graduate school was an experience of seeing what was not going to show up in the classroom and what I would have to go study on my own. It's part of why I tell people kind of don't go to graduate school right out of undergrad like take a couple years see what else you learn have some other experiences and if you really really want to go be back in the classroom um then you know then go do it but there's no reason like being an artist being a writer does not require uh an, an education given to you by somebody else it just requires curiosity and your own you know your own seeking in whatever form that might that might be mm, that's gold that's so good 
yeah uh, i've i've been told to like take a little breather um before grad school and just get out there and live which is scary i don't know i'm i'm nervous about that but it's like i i do get the sense that like there's a lot to learn out there beyond academia and it's it's cool to hear you validate that so yeah like you know what i what i had done between college and graduate school was i I'd fallen in love. I moved back to my hometown to be with the the person I was in love with. I was like a nanny. I did some like weird event planning jobs and I just lived my life and I read a ton and I wrote a ton. And I, what I found was like, wow, I'm writing essays about poetry and nobody is telling me to do this. And I'm putting them on my blog. I'm writing book reviews, not trying to get them published. I'm just putting them on for you know nobody for nobody to read (laughs) um and then I think about two years into this just like living and mushing around um I went to the Tin House Summer Writers Workshop which I think is like a week but I went there specifically to to see do I really want to be back in a classroom environment do I really care what other people in this room are going to think of my writing do I want to like you know, study in a really formal way, in a one-on-one way with um, with a teacher. And it was a great experience. Um, D.A. Powell was our, our workshop leader and he was wonderful. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is something I want to do. And then I applied to grad school and it was um, a rough experience. Oh, oh <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not where I thought that was going. <laughs> no, I was, I was glad that I went, but I went you know, something I tell people too is like only go if you have, you know, to three-year programs and only go with full funding. Otherwise, mm. you know, don't go into debt for school. That's that's very silly. Mm. And for creative writing, it's risky also. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, getting, like getting a master's degree does not mean that you're going to get a teaching job, nor does it mean that you're going to publish a book. Right. <laughs> you were in a formal that's like all it means is that you had the experience of being in a formal environment sure you know i'm I'm gonna do something ambitious and try and tie two things we've talked about together but thinking about um like form as academia um and then releasing yourself from form has been sort of freeing in like the creation of art that maybe like removing ourselves from these systems in poetry is like allows us to discover more like of what we love doing if that makes sense are you here with me on that journey i'm here i'm on the train (laughs) we're together on the train looking out the window going yes 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 yeah (laughs) there was something i mean i really value a lot of the people who i met in in school um or in sort of you know summer writing programs stuff like that but it's also very very possible right now 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 more than ever to get in touch with a writer who you really love via twitter or instagram etc and start relationships um and you know not everybody has time not everybody will do it but there are plenty of writers who will take a minute and say like, yeah, sure, stranger, I'll read three of your poems. Um, you know, it's stuff that 
I did in the past. I had a I had somebody reach out to me when they were in high school and I was in my like post uh, college pre-graduate school time. Um, this person, Robbie Old, and they said, uh, you're my favorite poet, which was incredible and out of nowhere because I was 25 or something. And I was like, how'd this happen? So <laughs> like, you're my favorite poet. Will you read some of my poems? And that turned into a long um, sort of mentor mentee relationship. We started like a sort of a, a poetry feature for teens online. It turned into a whole other thing. And I would not have had, if I had said no, um, or like, I don't have time for you, then it, we wouldn't have had that relationship. We wouldn't have started this whole other um, sort of platform for poetry. So I do think there's something in, and that goes back to like making up your own, making up your own education, really taking the reins on what you want to learn and who you want to learn from um, is a big deal, is a big deal as well. But hmm. I don't know. So a leap of faith kind of, I like that. Yeah, I'm into leaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think that is the perfect thing to end on. And um, and I hope that everyone listening um, has been as floored as I am just from listening to you talk. Like, I think if, if we're looking for people to um, to learn from, you're a good one. So Aww, um, thank you again for speaking with me today. I appreciate it so much. Um, your, your brain is a beautiful place. So thanks for letting us poke around in there. <laughs> but um, do, you, do you have any parting words for my four loyal listeners? <sighs> loyal listeners. Don't listen to what other people tell you. You're <laughs> if, you're, if you're queer, you're queer enough. If you feel like dropping out of college, drop out of college. If you don't feel like going to grad school, don't go to grad school, um, you know, go live low to the ground and go where it's warm, both metaphorically and not because it's usually cheaper there. Okay. Well, that opened up something of a paradox with like, don't listen to anyone as advice. So I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore, but <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your time with us today. Um, Tune in next episode, y'all. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah, goodbyes are hard, but XOXO. See y'all next time. <laughs>